Hi, my name is Isabella, and I'm the host of this podcast, Amateur Activist. Here, we talk about various social, political, and sometimes theological issues, and we stumble our way through it because, well, we're amateurs. We don't have all the answers, we don't have any influence, and we certainly don't have any resources. But, we are willing to sit down and have a chat. If that sounds like you, we invite you to join us on Wednesdays, as we cover pretty much anything. We believe we deserve better, and we're willing to do what we can to change the world. Will you join us? This season, Amateur Activist is made using Zencaster, the ultimate all-in-one podcasting platform. I am entirely inexperienced and unqualified when it comes to producing each episode, and Zencaster has made it super easy to do, especially when I'm in a time crunch, and I don't have the time to fumble my way through producing episodes. Zencaster's post-production process takes the headache out of audio production. You can set the right podcast loudness and levels, while also reducing background noise with just a click of a button. One of my favorite aspects of Zencaster's post-production is its ability to remove filler words like um and uh, which, if you know me, can happen a lot as my brain tries to catch up with my mouth. One of the main reasons I switched to Zencaster towards the end of last year was that I could record with up to 11 guests without our session timing out. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code, the amateur activist, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. I have tried to record a few times now. And I have not been able to get through it. And so we're going to give this a go. And it's going to be a bit imperfect, I think. And it just, it is going to be what it is. So. Hello, amateur activists. Welcome to another week of the podcast. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. I have a whole script that I write that's right here and I have tried to read it a few times and it's not worked and I've just like burst into tears and I think it's I'm just battling a bit of imposter syndrome this week and um, I've put a bit of pressure on myself and So I'm just going to glance at it to keep me on track for the episode um, and hope that the words that naturally come out of my mouth are okay. (laughs) I meant to record this episode two weeks ago, and it was meant to be released last Wednesday on the 31st of May as kind of a wrap-up for Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, But I got really sick um, the weekend before and kind of lost, was losing my voice and was really congested. And so I had pushed, kept pushing back recording. And now it is the week of the fifth of what month are we in? June. And so it's coming a week late and 
I don't really want to put out an episode. I am at the point right now, for whatever reason, that I want to quit everything and go hide in a hole and sleep. And I don't know really, I don't really know why that's happening. I think part of it is a bit of pressure, again, part of a bit of imposter syndrome that me of all people is going to put out an episode on mental health uh, when I can't even get through the intro of the podcast without crying. So, I mean, if you want to join in for a possible shit show of an episode, welcome. Welcome to Amateur Activist. Um, I am going to do my absolute best to answer some questions that, um, were DM'd to me. I cannot promise advice. I can promise my opinion. Um, I will probably maybe cry. Um, I don't have any, I don't think I have any advice to give on mental health, uh, other than I have it. We all have it. I have mental illnesses, a few of them under my belt. That's about it. Um, and I wrote down, because when I wrote the script a few weeks ago, it was really important to me to do this, but it feels fake to do it now, because if I do it, I'm going to cry. But I'm still going to say it, because I think it's important for whoever's listening. Just have a cry, you know, if that's where the moment takes us. So, before we dive straight into this, this mess of an episode, I just want to ask, how are you? We've made it through the first five months of the year, which is crazy that we're already in June. And regardless of how these last five months have gone, I want, I want you to pause the episode and I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to congratulate yourself for making it almost halfway through 2023. So three, two, one, pause me. Welcome back. <laughs> and I just want to say for any of us who are feeling imposter syndrome for whatever reason, for feeling like we've faked our way through the year, for feeling like maybe it's all a facade, I still want you to feel like you can congratulate yourself. Because we made it. We are still here. Five months in. And whether it was fake or a facade or a filter, we all made it regardless. And that that is worth celebrating and congratulating yourself for. So, I don't plan on talking about anything major in this episode um, other than, you know, mental health and mental illness, but my experience. So nothing should be, you know, nothing should require a content warning. Nothing should be triggering. Um, but, you know, it is my experience and I will be 
answering, I think maybe three questions um, that I got in. That's as much as I can do in a 30 minute episode. Um, and so we'll start with me, I guess. We'll start with my experience with mental health and my experience with mental illness. So there's never going to be enough time (laughs) to talk about my experience with mental health or my experience with anxiety or whatever in this format, right? Like it is normally a one-on-one conversation um, and I feel like it's really daunting to do without like follow-up questions. So the best that I can do is briefly recap my experience for anyone listening, for anyone who's interested. Um, And so in order to do that, I feel like it's only fitting that we start at the beginning. So, hello. (laughs) My name's Isabella, um, and I'm the host of this podcast. Uh, I'm 24. I am an American. I grew up in America. Um, and I currently live in Australia. And in some ways, I, I've i struggled with mental health my entire life, for as long as I can remember. Um, I'm someone who feels deeply and feels a lot all the time. <laughs> and I think for a lot of my childhood, I didn't know how to express that emotion and I didn't have the right language to explain how much I was feeling to my parents or to other adults and so what ended up happening is that I just bottle all of it up um, and I would suppress that shit whether it was good or bad happy sad any kind of emotion I would bottle up and just shove down and continue to shove it down until it overflowed into my life, which it inevitably does for everyone. And as an adult, I am definitely much better at feeling emotion. I am not as good as I would love to be at, you know, understanding my emotion and you know, listening to my body and navigating the depth of emotion that I feel. I'm definitely better, but I get very overwhelmed very easily and I get very overstimulated very easily. And so I'm better at feeling. I don't bottle up as much anymore, if ever. But once once I'm activated, I'm activated. It, I'm very easily overwhelmed and overstimulated. And I don't really know how to regulate myself well. I have also struggled with depressive episodes and anxiety for years. Um, I think my anxiety definitely started as social anxiety. I am an introvert. I don't enjoy loud environments. I don't enjoy um, busy like crowds or spaces. And so I think it started off as 
social anxiety, not wanting to be in those spaces. And I think over time, it became just generalized, or what I like to call like full-blown anxiety. I'm a very anxious person. Um, a lot, a lot of anxiousness up here and in my body. <laughs> um, and where the social anxiety wasn't as day to day, this, what I think I have now can be very debilitating and very paralyzing. Um, there are, it, you know, it ranges from feeling a bit just anxious in my body and I don't feel well and, um, I get nauseous or I get really like my heart rate increases to, you know, I can't leave my house, much less my bed. I'm not eating. And I, it is just very like paralyzing. Um, I have OCD and I didn't realize how prevalent that was in my life until 2018, 2019, when I moved out of home and across the world to Australia. Um, thankfully these days, OCD has very little impact on my day-to-day -day life. And I am incredibly grateful that I have, have had access to online resources, Instagram accounts, and people like Allegra and Allegra Castens and Windsor Flynn, and that I've had access to podcasts <laughs> talking about OCD. Because I think one of the most affirming uh, experiences as someone with OCD is listening to other people talk about OCD. OCD is extremely stigmatized. It is misrepresented and it is, um, misunderstood at a very high rate. Um, and so not feeling like I could talk freely about a lot of things that I was going to and going through and listening to people make jokes about something and seeing it in media, but it's not accurate all leads to a shame cycle of isolation. So listening to people talk about their experiences, having access to accounts where people are openly talking about their experiences was incredibly helpful. Um, it's also what birthed, I guess, this podcast in the first place was a conversation about Mental Health Awareness Month two years ago in 2021, where I was talking about my OCD online for probably the first time. And there was a bigger conversation I thought needed to be had. And my friends, Isabel and Steph, were like, we should have a conversation about it. A podcast, we did. It's called Amateur Activist Podcast. And it's the first episode of season one. And so that was one of the most affirming, healing things for me to be a part of. But also I know there have been countless people who have reached out saying that it was really affirming for them as well. I'm also extremely paranoid. <laughs> um, it's probably the one thing of mine that I joke about the most is being paranoid. Um, but I am, and it is, it can be exhausting and scary and paralyzing. And if you were wondering, is not made better by having OCD and anxiety as well. Um, they kind of all gang up on me. They're like a little super villain trio and they don't make my life fun. In saying all of that, basically, 
I'm a fucking nutcase. It, you know, it is what it is. I'm crazy. And I'm very open and honest about it. And I know that there are going to be people who hate that I said that. I, I don't care to be like, it is not your prerogative to, you know, or is it your prerogative? Is it your prerogative to not agree with me? Or is it not your prerogative to agree with me? Whichever one of those is correct is what I'm, I'm meaning to say. I think it's okay to think that I'm crazy about myself. Because the world that my head has created is crazy. And it's scary. And it is not healthy. And sometimes it's hard for me to distinguish between what is real and what isn't. And I understand, I get the intention, the heart behind people who will be like, Isabella, you don't have OCD. You just experience it. You don't have depression. You just experience depression. You need to be careful about what you label yourself as. You're wrong. Wrong. All of these wrong. Because unless you're me, you don't get to dictate what labels I do or don't take on. It is, it can be incredibly harmful to tell that to someone who has finally accepted that maybe there is something happening inside their brain they need to address and has finally rejected the shame and stigma about coming to that realization. Unless you have a relationship with someone, you shouldn't be telling them anything about their mental health. Whether it's advice, whether you think it's good or bad, whether you think it's going to be helpful or unhelpful, relationship needs to come first. Second, I have had to work so hard to undo the damage done by that kind of thing, by that kind of rhetoric. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. I think there's a bigger conversation to be had about are you taking on this label and can you use it in an unhealthy, toxic way to make it your whole personality and to kind of sit in this mental illness bubble where nothing gets done and there's no help, there's no progress? Of course, that's a different conversation. But finally coming to the realization that hmm, maybe I need help. The first step for me was going, hmm, I have anxiety. Like, I need help. I have OCD, I need help. I have depression, I need help. Sitting there going, I don't have it, I experience it. It's just the cycle of shame that people get caught in. Not helpful. So stop it. Don't DM me it. I will be upset. And it makes me upset because I feel like the narrative behind that narrative is that people with mental illness are one-dimensional, right? Which is not true because while I do have a few diagnoses under the belt, <laughs> I'm also full of joy and laughter. I'm a big thinker. I love and enjoy big conversations. I avoid large crowds and noisy environments, yet I love going to the city and dancing. 
I hate chocolate, and yet I love a gluten-free chocolate brownie from my workplace. It is what it is. I'm a rounded, whole person with contradictions that all have to be held in tension, that has mental illness, yet enjoys enjoys life, that has mental illness, yet is mentally healthy. And my mental illness will always have some sort of impact on my day-to-day life. And that's okay, because in the moments where the impact is not as big or doesn't isn't as felt, life is beautiful and delicious, and I'm a human being that is loved. And all of that needs to be held in tension. It is, it's unhelpful to try to get rid of the negatives so you only have the positives. Life is full of contradictions. Life is full of things being held in tension. Life is full of the both ands. You, you have to hold it all. And that's what makes us whole human beings. Whole, rounded, holistic human beings is having these tensions that we're constantly holding about ourselves. So in a nutshell, that's me. Another question I've been asked to provide some insight on is managing mental health and relationships, which I, in the DM that I got, this person clarified that it's kind of both parts of being in a relationship with someone as someone with mental health, but also being the partner in a relationship that is navigating loving someone that is unstable or mentally ill. So I can't speak to being in a relationship with someone and navigating those, but I can talk about being in friendships because that is where I'm at and where I have been in relationships with people who, you know, are seeing me as I am and dealing with my shit. It's really fucking hard, really hard. I cannot sit here and tell you, well, being the person in a friendship group or being the person in a relationship who's crazy, <laughs> who has mental health issues, is easy because you just you just have to be loved. Nor. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's hard. It's really fucking hard. And for me, I never ever, ever, ever want to feel like a burden. And I will always, always, always feel like a burden when I bring needs, desires, issues to those that I love. Always. And so what feels comfortable and safe for me to do in a relationship, in a dynamic, is, oh, I'm struggling with something. I will withdraw, isolate, deal with my own shit, and then come back when I'm better. I'm back to me. That does not foster an environment for relationships to grow and thrive. Because relationships, whether they're romantic or platonic, they need communication. There needs to be intentionality. There needs to be honesty. You cannot just withdraw and isolate. It doesn't work. And so it has taken me a very, 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 very long time to come to these two or three realizations. And again, I'm not saying they're easy. I'm not even going to say they're simple. It's fucking hard. 
and I'm still terrible at it. The first one is, I, I feel like there'll be people out there that go, no, you have to just believe you're not a burden. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a fucking burden. We all are. Every relationship I've been in is a burden of some kind. It's financial, it's time, it's energy, emotionally, mentally. However, here's the first thing that I've had to learn for myself, right? That we all have to learn, regardless of your mental illness, but especially if you're someone who struggles with mental illnesses and you're in a relationship or a friendship. You are worth loving. Your burden is worth carrying. And my friends who have been through every fucking thing of mine, (laughs) I've realized that they have decided that I'm worth loving and that my burden is worth carrying. And that's not hard. That's not easy. It's, it's really hard, especially when you're someone who gets stuck in this cycle of shame or guilt or I have to do everything by myself and I can't bring a broken version of myself to people. It needs to be whole and healthy and together. It's really hard, but it's the truth is every single one of us, whether healthy, unhealthy, stable, unstable, ill or well, are worthy of love. Are We start loved. Our burden, we all have them. People are allowed to shoulder that for us. We need to be willing to give that up to someone. Whether it be for a season, whether it be for a relationship or like whatever, it The people who have come beside you and surrounded you have decided that they're going to love you and have decided that they're willing to shoulder your burden for six months, a year, whatever it is, to get you well again. Let them. That's the, that for me is like, I I have to remind myself every time my mental health is, is not well. Because it's so easy to forget. You're worth loving, babes. I'm worth loving. We all are. And my friends have shown up time and time again. And I'm so grateful for them. Because every time they show up, it re um, reaffirms this belief in myself that, all right, well, they're here to shoulder the burden with me. Ah. But it's true. And it might sound cliche and bullshitty, but it's true. And those are the maybe to the the number one thing that I that I've had to learn about navigating my mental health and mental illness and relationships. Now I can't speak for the other part of the question because normally I'm the one that is fucked up in the head and is bringing shit to the group, so I can't answer that question. Maybe I should get one of them to hop on the podcast and talk about what it's like to deal with me. So, and I'm sure that there are 
people online and on podcasts, you'll be able to talk about that aspect of navigating relationships much better than I can presume to know. So I'll leave that one there. There were two separate questions sent in on Instagram that I feel like go really well together, that they go hand in hand together. And I'm going to attempt to answer them both at the same time. The first question is about knowing how do you unlearn toxic independence and learn dependence and and relying on someone when you're not doing okay? The second question is about um, when do you know when it's just, you know, a bad mental health day versus when it's time to actually seek help? And I think they go hand in hand because both require a bit of self-awareness and a bit of understanding how you work as a human being, as an individual. Toxic independence is really hard to give up because for so many of us, I think we learned it at a young age. We've been independent our whole fucking lives, right? And it's praised. That's what gets me is that my independence is applauded. It's seen as a good character, good character trait. It's seen as what makes me successful. And now don't get me wrong. My independence has gotten me so far. It's, it, it, I mean, it got me across the world to Australia by myself. It's gotten me through a degree by myself. It's got, I make, I love that I'm independent, but that, that context makes it really hard to then become a dependent person because dependency isn't always praised. And if it is, it's nowhere near as praised as being independent. And so I've had to do a lot of unlearning and a lot of kind of surrendering to being a dependent person, someone who's reliant on my community to help or to love and to come through, right? And that's just on its own, right? When you bring my mental health into it, no, 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 no. Again, like I said, I withdraw, I isolate, I cut off communication, I get better, I come back into community and I go, hey guys, I'm back, I'm healthy. I also, so that's one of the, I guess, caveats to my kind of, oh, I'm leaning into being more dependent. One of them, mental health, I don't touch dependency. Second is I have this narrative that if I cause the problem, if it's a self-inflicted problem, that I have to fix it. I can't get anyone else to help me, which growing up in church spaces with the narrative that a, a, a lot of people's mental health issues are self-inflicted. I've had to work to undo a lot of really harmful and unhelpful beliefs about my mental health, but also what is required to then get better, right? 
So when it comes to unlearning toxic independence and then learning how to be dependent and reliant, when it comes to mental health issues, that's a really topic for me because I don't know how to do it well. I don't. And I don't have advice to give. And I could sit here and, you know, Google something and rattle off a couple one, two, threes. But the reality is, is that I'm not good at it. I, I'm not, and I don't ask for help very well. <laughs> it, it, I, I've been seeing in my, sitting with my counselor, we've talked about this, but I've also seen it online a few times and it, each time I see it, but it's just, you know, my counselor said to me that not what feels safe comfortable, secure is not always what's healthy, which doesn't, didn't make sense to me for a long time because asking for help, seeking out advice, depending on people to take care of me is scary. My alarm bells go off, makes me feel insecure, makes me feel unstable now. So in my head, I go, that must not be the right option because what feels safe, secure, stable is isolating, withdrawing. So that's what I'm used to. And sometimes what's actually the healthiest option is what makes you feel most unsafe. Mm, I don't like it. <laughs> and so I'm really grateful really grateful that I haven't had, I'm the most stable I've been in a decade. And again, I have mental health moments like tonight where I have started to record this three times and burst into tears, feel like an imposter. I spiral very quickly. I have to distract myself and cope, use my coping mechanisms to get myself through it. And then now I'm here talking to you all, but there are moments I, overall, most stable I've been. And so I'm grateful for that because I'm not having to navigate this really hard thing right now. But it's not easy. And it's not easy asking for help. Sorry. <laughs> Thought you were going to get a nice little answer with a bow. No, it's not easy. And it's terrifying because... You ask for help and you're inviting someone into a really vulnerable space with you, hoping they won't just go, oh, God, that's way too much, and then dip. Terrifying. But, again, going back to the, the first question, you're worthy of love. You start out loved. And if you have friends in your life, or a partner who has decided and shown you that they love you and has decided and shown you that they're going to shoulder that burden with and for you, then they've also decided that they're willing to sit in the vulnerable, intimate, scary, ugly uh, spots with you, right? And so asking for help is really 
for me at least, is asking someone to love me. Uh oh. <laughs> Don't cry on the podcast, Isabella. Asking for help is asking someone to love you. And if you don't believe you can ask for help, it's a lie. You got chopped in a lie. And I know that it feels comfortable and I know that it feels safe and I know that it feels like what you're used to. But it's a lie because we're all deserving of love. And there are people out there that love us. And it's not hard, but this one is simple. It is as, it is as simple as texting a friend, I need some help. My friend and I last year, she was really struggling and we had a system where she would raise, a, she would text me a flag. That was it. That's all because, you know, they were struggling with the, you know, the physical asking for help. Hey, I need help or I'm not doing okay. So we came up with just text me a flag and that was it. And it can be as simple as that, as telling someone, I need you to love me. I need you to tell me that you love me. And by coming to my house, cooking me dinner, by watching a movie with me, you're telling me that you love me. And that's all I need sometimes. So the second question about how to know when you're just having a bad mental health day versus when you go get help takes a lot of self-awareness. Now you can go, you know, Google it and do some mental health tests and it'll tell you something, right? But... For those of us, right, that have had years of experience navigating our own mental health, we're diagnosed, we are stable, right? Knowing, oh, this is just an off day or an off week or whatever, or, ooh, I should probably go back into counseling. That takes a lot of self-awareness, a lot of understanding of how you work. It also, and this is why I think it ties into the, f the first question, is that I struggled because I got back into counseling. I reached out to a few counselors um, over like the holidays in like December and January. Reached out to a few and I realized that I was so ashamed that I was having to go back into counseling. There's a vulnerability in saying, uh, I think I might need some help. Now, even if it's just a bad mental health day or a bad mental health week or whatever, go, go still put your hand up and ask for some help, right? There's always things that you can do to help with mental health, you know, whether that's going for a walk, getting out of bed, oh, eating, drinking water, all those things impact your mental health. But for me, I realized this is bigger than just mental health because it was ongoing and only like, I know Google and professionals will say differently, but good thing I'm not a professional, I'm an amateur. I think that's personal and individual, what you consider to be ongoing. Um, I, for me, it was my anxiety 
and it was ongoing to a point that it was impacting my day-to-day life and I wasn't eating which was impacting my day-to-day life and it was debilitating more so than it had been in years so for me I you know fucked off to Europe (laughs) and said to myself I need to reach out to therapists because it's getting out of hand. This isn't just a bad mental health day or that I'm a bit anxious about something. This is, it's, it's, it's negatively affecting my day-to-day life. I need to get a hold on it. And emailing those therapists, you know, inquiring about having a consultation or whatever, racked, racked with shame and guilt about getting to a place again that I needed help, which again, Toxic independence, blah, 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 blah. But it's vulnerable going to someone and saying, hey, like I, I'm not doing well again. But only you can know that for yourself, right? And I think, again, another conversation would be if you're someone who has not been diagnosed, you have no history of mental health issues, but this has been an ongoing thing for a while and you're not sure if it, you should just keep writing it out. I will say that there have been so many people, well, I assume there have been so many people that go without the proper help because they tell themselves or the media or whoever tells them, ah, you're fine. You're just a bit sad. And they diminish what you're feeling and what you're going through. That's not what I'm saying. Um, There are so many free resources, whether it's, um, here in Australia, we have a few resources where you can hop on the phone and talk to someone, a medical health professional, medical health, mental health professional, talk to them for free. Um, there are resources online to, um, chat with on your laptop or your phone to kind of gauge whether or not this is something you need to get professional help for. Um, but both of those things are simple, but they're again, incredibly vulnerable and take a lot of courage to raise your hand and go, Hey, I need help. And I applaud anyone who does it, including myself. (laughs) Mental health is, you know, we all have it. We all have mental health and some days are good and some days are bad and some days are neutral. Nothing's going on up there. (laughs) And destigmatizing this conversation opening it up having you know having a host that was breaking down before the episode and is now I feel great I feel fine um I don't feel like an imposter I feel like no one will listen to this but I don't feel like you know that I was lying that I was presenting a facade to you all because I'm not and I'm I never have we all have mental health and I love the conversations that happen in May because it is maybe the only time in a year that someone is really honest about where they're at, what they're struggling with. They ask for help. Um, and I love that. And so if you get nothing else from this episode, I will reiterate it one more time, regardless of whether you are mentally well or not, regardless of whether you are healthy or not, And regardless of whether you are stable or not, 
You are loved. And you are deserving of love. And there are people out there who love you. I guarantee it. And for any of us who put in really hard work in May to ensure the best to our abilities that we could um, to be mentally healthy, go us. For those of us who are just starting on their journey of mental health, mental illness, going to therapy, going to counseling, getting on medication, um, I applaud us. Um, We made it five months and we will make it another five months. I promise you. Um, Thank you guys for listening to another episode. I hope it wasn't as big of a shit show as I thought it was going to be. Um, I appreciate your support every week. Um, and I appreciate those, appreciate, um, those of you who listen to the solo episodes. Um, they will probably be happening a bit more this season than they did last season. And so thank you for listening. Um, thank you for sticking around and, uh, we will see you next time for a brand new episode of Amateur Activist Podcast. Love you guys.